The Internet Explained. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis on Radio Live. Welcome to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through until 8 o'clock this Sunday night. You can text me because I love it. I love it when you're part of the show. Text me 3920 keyword live or tweet me at Vaughan Davis. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm as vain as the next guy. I'm always happy to get a new Twitter follower. I should have a little thing that goes bring on my phone to... Uh, to make me uh, to make me feel like a valued person every time someone follows me. Hey, this is show number two hundred and twenty-four of the series. Will it ever end? Who knows? It's uh, it's it's a wild ride so far. Later on, Anna Connell, Anna Connell, your favourite, your favourite online expert, apart from the other three or four that I have on the show, joins me to talk open banking. What is that? Uh, PowerPoint. Oh God, no, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting. Hang in there for the PowerPoint uh, and a new way to make your corridor. Corredo- there are plenty of apps that will give you something to do on the bus, make your selfies look even hotter than they already are, or hook you up with someone hot of the gender of your choice. New Zealand app Let's Collaborate is a bit different. Instead of doing any of those things, although volunteering is hot, it connects people with time and energy to volunteer with organisations that need it. Co-founder Holly Norton joins me on the phone. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. You, What have you been volunteering on this week? Have you been out pulling weeds or massaging whales? What have you been doing? Oh, I wish I wish it was that exciting. Um, so everyone who works on Collaborate is themselves volunteers. We have a team of about 13 volunteers across the country, so that includes me. So I'll have done four or five days volunteering on Collaborate this week, and that could be anything from being out with charities, having a chat about the needs that they might need, things they might not even realise they might need volunteers for, things like social media that they'd never had anyone do before or board members or... Yeah, just running the team and working on all our regional launches, which is very exciting. So let's talk about the app itself. So you've got people who've got a, a will to to help, maybe an, uh, a sort of a loosely formed will to help, and you've got organisations who might not even know they need help. So tell me how Let's Collaborate sort of sits in the middle of all that, how it works. Yeah, well, we were all working for sort of volunteering for small organisations on top of our day jobs and back a couple of years ago, sort of the time of the refugee crisis. And um, we just found there was this huge disconnect where those organisations we were working for were struggling. They couldn't get quite enough resources that they needed. They couldn't get kind of highly technical skills or kind of more modern skills around technology and that sort of thing. And uh, and everyone you seemed to talk to wanted to do something to help, but just didn't really know where to start. Um, so Collaborate was a sort of, initially it was a meetup group, and then we thought, hang on, there's so many platforms out there like Uber and Tinder and Airbnb that are just making it fast and easy and effortless to 
connect and to see how you can connect with what you need. Um, so we decided just to literally take that kind of same piece of technology and put it into the charity space. So you can log on, enter your skills and your interest areas by hitting some cool, colorful buttons. Uh, and then based on your geolocation, it literally starts popping up with things that you can get started doing in your community today, tomorrow afternoon, uh, that use your skills. Um, and because of the geolocation, it could be down your road. You may have never realized the charity was there. So, so talk me slowly through the process. So here, here I am. Um, I'm inspired by your story, Holly. I have a mobile phone sitting in front of me, and I want to go ahead and do this. What, what do I need to do? All you do is you go to Let's Collaborate, um, L-E-T-S, collaborate.co.nz, uh, and it's a web app. So you don't actually need to download anything. It doesn't take any space on your phone or your computer, and you can access it from any device. But you go to that website, letscollaborate.co.nz, uh, you click the app button, and it will just prompt you to log in with Facebook. So it will log you in. It will pull your profile picture and your name, uh, and then let you enter a little bit of information about yourself to create a profile. So this profile is what tracks all of your volunteering, which is really important. So when you complete a role, you can let us know. You can earn skills badges, track your hours. It's a bit of a social record. If you're going for jobs, it's incredibly helpful. If you just want to feel good about yourself, it's really helpful. But this profile also has just a little bit about your education and experience. Uh, and that's when you choose what you're interested in. So there's 10 skill areas and there's 10 interest areas. So skill areas are things like I'm into funding or I'm into hands-on things like tree planting. I've got skills in law. Uh, and the interest areas are everything from youth to community to LBGTQI. Nature is a huge category. Uh, and, yeah, and then you just hit get swiping, get volunteering, and it pops up with opportunity cards, much like a dating app that you just swipe through. So so there I am. I've, I've, I've filled in my profile, and I, I did fill in my profile this morning. Uh, awesome. I'm, I'm going I'm to be pulling weeds by, uh, by breakfast time. You, oh, fantastic. You, you fill in your profile. You say what you think mm -hmm. you're good at and the areas, um, I guess, of need that you're interested in meeting. Uh, and and then you you go to the you know the the browse um, browse charities I guess you call it. How, how does that work? What are you looking at? What do you see? Um, well, for anyone who's ever been on a dating app like Tinder, you basically see the same thing as you would on a dating app, but instead of a well, that's just guys with, guys with no shirts holding fish, <laughs> apparently. Similar, similar, without the shirtless guys. So you see a little opportunity but type still, card. But still with the fish. <laughs> No, maybe you might see a fish if it's a fishing charity. Okay. <laughs> um, what you see is a, a little card which has a picture at the top of the opportunity or the organization's logo. You have a snapshot of all the key information you need to know. And the idea is you've got to read this in a sort of a 10-second window. Um, so it just says whether it's a project-based, one-off, ongoing role. You know, are you going to be doing this for the next year on and off? Or is this something that's tomorrow and it's just an hour um, and yeah, the title of the role, the kind of a number of hours that will need and maybe three or four sentences about what it is. So the idea is it's just that really fast. Yep. That's something I'm interested. I want to know more. You hit express an interest and your profile gets sent to the charity and your connectors. And, and then what happens is, is, is the charity receive presumably a whole bunch of people who are interested in helping and, you know, wait till the next committee meeting and have a vote and say, okay, Holly and Vaughan are going to pull our weeds or what happens? Well, it really depends on the charity. So from that point, it's kind of up to them. Uh, we have some amazingly quick charities, um, very much living the sort of future of work. We have stories of people putting up a role and then connecting within about two minutes and doing the volunteering within 24 hours. And that's for things like design roles too. Uh, but then, you know, some charities take a little bit longer to get back. And uh, it is a wee bit like a dating app. You may or may not hear back from somebody that you've expressed an interest in. But most of the time, people have such a need for people. Um, we certainly have 
a higher proportion of opportunities than we have volunteers right now, um, that you're going to find some awesome things that you can help out with that people are really grateful for. I think, um, I think Barbara Streisand wrote a song about people needing people at one point. Maybe that could be your theme song. What sort of people um, actually put their hands up? Who are, the, who are the people who are queuing up to volunteer at Let's Collaborate? Um, it's a whole range of people. When we started, we thought that the, the gap that was missing was ways for young people to connect because at the time we were all in our early 20s and we thought it was sort of a problem that we were facing. Uh, and there is a lot of people sort of in their 20s to 30s, young professionals, students, uh, anyone who's looking for a chance to do some good and upskill and make a difference in the world. Uh, but interestingly, um, you know, because it's so simple to use and everyone knows how to use Facebook these days, it's sort of that level of you know, ability to connect. Mm -hmm. um, we find people right across the board. So really busy professionals, people who want to help, but they only have a few hours here and there who want to do something meaningful with their skills. Retired people, um, you know, looking for something to do around grandkids and, you know, other bits of work that they're doing, ways to connect. Uh, but the biggest group, the biggest group is sort of 18 to 40, I'd say, of kind of excited young people around the country wanting to just kind of do something meaningful. You talked about the the profile and the badging, and you know, as you as you do more uh, projects or assignments, you can you know record those on your little profile. Um, I guess the the buzzword term for that would be gamification, right? You're sort of saying, yeah. hey, you know, I'm I'm trying to think of some other apps that are doing this. Um, you know, you've there's, there's there's some beer drinking apps I think that uh, are forever posting to social media saying, hey, you just unlocked the you know, the 10 beers in 10 days badge and stuff like that. How, how big an aspect of Let's Collaborate is that whole gamification, the badging, the competitiveness? Um, it, I think it's going to be a lot bigger as it, as it grows. At the moment, what people need to do is let us know um, when they've completed a role or the charity let us know, and we'll make sure your profile has your badges, has your skills, has your hours. Uh, but the exciting next stage that we're sort of fundraising for at the moment, because you know, everything has been built by volunteers, including the app itself, it was all built in a hackathon, uh, is the automation of the badge system, which is going to be pretty exciting. So instead of having to notify us, which sometimes people forget to do, uh, your badge system will automatically rack up with um, your time and your skills. And I think you've got a lot more people jumping into the kind of bronze and silver awards and that sort of thing. Um, but it's incredibly helpful for people looking to volunteer towards maybe a, a overall badge like a Duke of Edinburgh or something like that uh, to get credit for their university well, you, degree. You, you, yeah. may, you may, you may um, eventually be able to trade in enough uh, Let's Collaborate points for an order of merit. Oh, yeah. There you go. Absolutely. <coughs> I wonder how many you'd need for that. <laughs> Mate, well, quite, quite, either quite a few or not very yeah. many if you're very wealthy, perhaps. That, oh, that, was a cynical, <laughs> that was a cynical thing to say. You, you, um, you, 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 you broke one of the rules of the show just earlier on. I don't even know if you noticed. And you used a word that uh, a lot of people don't understand when you said oh, sorry. how the app was built. You said it was built at a hackathon, which sounds, to be honest, like um, something out of a horror movie. What, what is a hackathon? <laughs> Oh, sorry. I, so in, in the world that I live in, everyone seems to do hackathons as the only thing you ever do in your spare time. Um, a hackathon is basically where a whole bunch of uh, people with skills who are excited about something get together in a room and basically get locked in for, you know, a day, three days, however long it takes, and build something together and just do it really fast with all the skills and expertise around the table. Um, usually volunteers, you can build just about anything. You might sort of have a a hackathon around a problem or you might have a hackathon around building a piece of technology like we did. So Let's Collaborate went from a, a meetup group saying, hey, well, how can we volunteer for uh, places that need it 
to uh, a web app that was developed at a hackathon. When, when was that and what's happened since then? That was last October. Um, so actually we went from sort of 2015 is when we first kicked off these kind of meetup groups. Uh, about a year later we were like, hey, we really need to be doing something in the, the platform technology kind of space. We need a Tinder app. Uh, and then we had about 18 months that was just amazing where lots of people came together. You know, we thought we were building something for a small bunch of charities in Wellington. Uh, about 400 people ended up being involved in that co-design process. So that was people getting together for brainstorms, looking at the first designs, giving feedback, uh, and eventually joining this hackathon in October um, where 14 volunteer developers over three days and a lot of pizza uh, just smashed out a beautiful version of the app. And they were all volunteers from the development firm Springload. Um, so amazing web developers. And since then, we launched a couple of weeks later. Um, day one, about 50 charities signed up across the country, which was very exciting. Several hundreds of volunteers. Um, I think because everyone had been so involved in building it, you know, it wasn't they, a... They wanted to do it, yeah. They wanted to do it. They'd been a part of that process. You know, it was really a community response. None of us actually had come from a tech background. We just knew it had to happen. So um, very much built by that community of 400 or so. And um, since then, it's just keeping on growing. Uh, we're up to about 180 charities are using us to connect, um, hundreds of volunteers across the country, and we're kind of developing local centers at the moment as well. We've got two new people came on board in Christchurch yesterday. We've got people in Nelson and Hamilton, and we're looking for people in Auckland. So if you want to be a part of the Let's Collaborate team, getting out there and making magic happen, let us know. Hey, talking to Holly Norton, co-founder of volunteering platform Let's Collaborate. After the break, we're going to talk about how uh, organisations can list themselves and find volunteer help. Back soon. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with me on the phone from Wellington, Holly Norton, who with uh, 399 of her closest friends uh, has <laughs> developed a platform called Let's Collaborate, which uh, aims to connect volunteers with organisations that need volunteers. Holly, welcome back. Thank you. Tell me about some of the organisations that are listed. I was having a, a bit of a look through this morning and I found everything from, uh, you know, community groups needing a, a social media guru through to MOTAT up the road here, which I thought was council funded, uh, needing uh, volunteer gardeners. Who's listing these projects? The projects can be listed by absolutely anybody who has a social good that they, they want to achieve and they need some extra help to get there, whether it's some skills or some manpower. Um, what's really exciting about Let's Collaborate and what we're doing that's really kind of different is this kind of fundamental idea that everybody has a skill that can make a difference. So we're trying to get a whole range of opportunities that absolutely anybody, no matter who you are, no matter what your experience is, that you can jump on and instantly see ways that you can get involved in your community and have impact. So you're seeing charities right from, there's one on there, I don't know if you saw Life Unlimited. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they're looking for what they call a tabletop gaming companion. So they literally want young people to take other young people who may have some kind of mental health difficulties or some anxiety issues, um, just want a bit of a, you know, a helping friend to get them out in the community, taking them along to things like Dungeons and Dragons once a week. Um, so you've got those kind of like really accessible opportunities. Um, you've got tree plantings and beach cleanups. Um, and then at the other end, you've got things like board rolls, um, which has been hugely successful. Uh, a charity poster for a board roll, and they've grown from three to 21 people over the past six months because there's been so much interest in young people wanting to get involved in those kinds of things. So oh, That's really the, a happening thing. Yeah. So you, you, 
you, you said an interesting thing. You said that any, anyone can list that um, considers themselves to have a, a social good element to what they do, right? Do, Absolutely. Do you vet the organisations that list these roles or the organisations themselves? And, and if so, how do you do that? So it's kind of a bit like a dating app where there's a quite a high level of trust in there. Um, so our criteria, we didn't want to restrict to just registered charities because there's 114,000 non-for-profits in New Zealand doing good work and mm. only 28,000 of those sorry, are registered charities. Yep. So we're registered charities, we're community organisations, uh, we're individuals. So let's say you, after this conversation, were like, yeah, I really want to get out and, I don't know, go scuba diving and pick up litter. It's a real example that we've had. Uh, you could post a role and connect with other like-minded people and just get out and do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we rely on is, obviously, we have a bit of a scan. When people come through, have a look. Um, we have to approve before they upload. Uh, but we don't have an intensive vetting process. We really rely on the community to decide what qualifies. Um, so, for example, even social enterprises can post roles. Um, if they have you need things like Pomegranate Kitchen, uh, you know, Eat My Lunch, for example, uses volunteers. They don't use Go Through Us. But, you know, there's a lot of people who are using volunteers right across different types of organisations but doing a lot of good work. So if you see something you don't agree with, you let us know. We go through a process of sort of vetting and making a community decision. But essentially we're trying to get as many people connecting and doing good things as possible. Uh, the, the, tr- the trust thing is interesting and, and it's very mm. much symptomatic of, of the shift from, you know, old models of business to new models of business. And, you know, Uber, Uber is the obvious example of that Airbnb is one another I, I i wonder though you know what what's to really stop me saying you know what i really need is um five teenagers to come to my island and 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 do some mm, gardening let's call it gardening and you, you know you can kind of see the 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 pitfalls there you, you and you do have a responsibility as the intermediary so we, and, and it feels like you're just relying on things going wrong and people reporting them uh, no, not quite. Not quite. So um, obviously it's all in the quite strict terms and conditions of signing up. So if someone's doing that, they're sort of breaking the breaking the terms and conditions of the site. We well, have to well, yes, manually... Yeah, no one reads the terms and conditions. You <laughs> no. know that. I know that. Come on. We have to manually upload. So between the four co-founders, we have to manually take everyone's application uh, and get it up on the site within 24 hours. So as a charity, you submit an application. Um, it takes about two minutes. It's just a drop form. But we have to manually upload that to the site. So if we ever have any concerns at that stage, we tend to give someone a call, talk through, try to get a bit of a bigger picture about what it is they're actually doing and they need volunteers for. And then we've had about two instances since we started where somebody gave us a call or flicked us a message and said, hey, uh, you know, something that's on here, I don't know if that fits my criteria, in which case we kind of then open up a bit of a review and looking at what what is it about that has a concern for someone um, which is usually if somebody thinks it's more in the internship category than volunteering, because obviously internships can be quite controversial. Yeah, exactly. What about the mm. flip side? Uh, you know, what's um, to protect me as a, a charity if I say oh, I need you know two people to come and I don't know wash my mother? That was a weird example, but you know what? <laughs> yeah. And and what's to stop weirdos from turning up? How do, how do how do I protect myself against that? Well, that's hopefully what the badging system is going to do. Uh, so at the moment, you know, people so, tend to apply for a role. So you, they... you, you've, you, you've earned the not a weirdo badge. <laughs> yes, yes, not quite. But um, you don't have to give anyone a skills badge when they volunteer. You also don't have to uh, give them a reference. So you always get the hours for your volunteering. But mm-hmm. uh, you might have raised some concerns, for example, if you're a charity, if somebody comes through and they have, you know, 40 hours volunteering, but they haven't earned any badges associated with those skills. You've got to wonder about it, yeah. 
Exactly. We, we did experiment with uh, star systems and rating systems, but we'd collaborate every decision, so including things around, uh, like you say, about the vetting processes and how it's built and how it's designed. That all goes back to the community. Uh, the co-founders sort of facilitate it. The community designs and shapes and decides on things, uh, and that's kind of the decision that we reached. People didn't want to have star rating systems. Uh, people at the moment have to just trust what people say and online applications and actually having some sort of badging system that they can see, hey, the Red Cross has said, yes, this person has funding skills. Um, actually, the level of trust is a lot higher. People seem Absolutely. to trust other charities. Maybe, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm just too cynical. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not, <laughs> I'm, I've been away from Wellington too long. Um, tell me about Let's Collaborate itself. You mentioned the term before, social enterprise. Are you one of those? At the moment, well, yes, we're a social enterprise. Um, what I don't think people realize with social enterprises is that you can be a for-profit or a not-for-profit social enterprise. Mm. Um, so we're a not-for-profit social enterprise, uh, and we've actually made a decision to go fully into charities registration, which we're going through the process of at the moment. But, yeah, we're not-for-profit. Um, but what the meaning of social enterprise that we take to mean is that we're looking for ways with some of the extra services we provide. So everything you can do at the moment is free, that we could monetize that and use that to self-fund looking after that technology, looking after that community. Um, so everyone involved is a volunteer. You can do 99.9% .9 of everything you need to do with volunteers, but some things just cost like websites and app maintenance. Uh, and that's what we want to generate a bit of extra revenue to basically make sure it can fund itself and we're not competing with charities for funding. So what, what are some of the things within the platform that you, you hope to charge for that will bring that funding? So the thing that we're fundraising for at the moment is this amazing system that the charities working with us have designed, um, which we sort of call our organisation platform. So the bit you logged in this morning was the volunteer platform. Uh -huh. The organisations currently just submit a role, we vet it, put it on the site or, you know, have a read. Um, now what they're going to be able to do is be able to log on to their own platform where they can see all of their different roles on a dashboard. They can see all their volunteering data, which is very important for reporting and making things, you know, evaluating programs. Um, they can mass message lots of people. So they'll click on a role and they can see everyone who's applied, view their profiles. They can message them. They can send everyone a message. If it's a, you know, a beach cleanup or something, they can message 300 people the same yep. message and say, see you at nine. And it, that, that's the thing that automates all the, the recognition aspects too. And, and, so, this is, and this is something that the, the charities and the not-for-profits and the social enterprises who use you will eventually pay for. Is that, is that the, the hope? Yeah, that's the hope. But our underlying belief is that everybody who needs it should be able to use it. Uh, and so what we tested when we were designing it with people is we also asked people sort of, what are your needs? What do you want built? And how much would you be willing to pay to solve this problem for yourself? Uh, and so we've designed a tiered system around that as well. So if you're a tiny charity, you're probably paying a very, very small amount to use it per week. If you're a massive organization that's managing hundreds of volunteers, it could be saving you hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially in all kinds of management fees. So um, and, and, it's and, a bit higher. And in the meantime, uh, an organization that needs volunteers should go to letscollaborate.co.nz, right? Yep. Yeah. The very, like, well, the posting of the role and the connecting. 100% free, jump on, pop it up, connect to people, and uh, get doing some good work. Hey, Holly Norton from Let's Collaborate. Thanks so much for joining me on Sunday Social. No worries. Thank you for having me. Lauren Davis, hashtag Sunday Social Radio Live. And welcome back to Sunday Social. You can listen to that whole entire interview with Let's Collaborate at radiolive.co.nz under shows 
and Sunday Social, or of course you can track down the podcast. Become a become a podcast person. That's a hard one. Become a podcast person. Go to uh, go to iTunes and track down Radio Live Sunday Social, and you can listen to that absolutely anywhere. Maybe you're listening to this absolutely anywhere. Maybe this is the distant future. Maybe we've been archived, and it's a hundred years into the future. In which case, hello, great great grandchild of Vaughan, or maybe I'm still alive. Oh, it just doesn't bear thinking about. Anna Connell, stop me now. Welcome yeah. to the show. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hi, Vaughan. How are you? Good. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting to think that uh, people might be listening to us in, you know, 2121. Yeah, well, uh, 2121. Gosh, yes. No, we'll be long dead, won't we? We, we might not be. We might not be, you Well, say. no, because they have figured out what causes ageing and they are trying to fix it in mice at the moment. Well, when I go through duty-free, um, you know, people, w- w- women trying to sell things, they're, they're quite convinced that the figures figured out what uh, will stop ageing. <laughs> and, and it's normally rub, rubbed onto the skin in the form of luminous spheres. Yeah, as a woman, I can tell you, none of it really works. Oh, get out. You're, you're, mm. you're actually 71 and, and, <laughs> and, and have, 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 have a, the skin of a 24-year-old. It's my clean living. You, you, you bought it. You, <laughs> That you, that you bought online. Um, and uh, um, regular listeners will know that uh, for, a, for a small but uh, important part of your career, which I, I remember the beginning of, a little chat yeah, we had before you started, yeah. um, you worked at a bank. I did. I did. I worked at a bank for five years. Yep. And you've been recently uh, become interested, and I've seen these stories floating around online too, about a new, well, a new to most people idea, uh, the idea of open Banking and that sounds kind of fun. You just go in with a big, you know, canvas sack and help yourself. Uh, yeah, it I'll sounds have, amazing, have, doesn't it? Go for a swim in the Scrooge McDuck money pool and yeah, uh, and fill up. But open banking—it's coming. What is it? Well, I mean, really, it's about the fact that banks, your own banks, have a lot of um, data, which are your transactions, and um, they also sort of quite fiercely own your cards and the way that you pay for things. Open banking is really the idea that the um, consumer owns the data uh, and can therefore use it or have it used in kind of third-party apps. Um, or in different kind of ways. So there's sort of a whole lot of new kind of apps that have um, cropped up which kind of attempt to really sort of circumvent a lot of the traditional kind of banking processes, cut the bank out of the process a little bit, but add a whole lot more utility to your life. So at the moment... Um, there's apps around like Jude, which is um, the a New Zealand app. a New Zealand app, which um, is sort of like a dashboard for all the different kind of things that you pay for your trade me, for your power, for your telco, and all that kind of thing. But what it requires is access to your banking data, and as it currently stands in New Zealand, in order to use that app, you would be technically breaking the terms and conditions of your agreement with your bank. In, in terms of your bank account. Um, but there are, I think, movements afoot. Um, the European uh, Union have changed laws so that customers can now pay each other and businesses directly, and that totally bypasses card schemes like Visa and MasterCard, and they're looking at it in Australia as well. So there's been quite a few of these kind of things. There was Movin and... Um, Venmo is a PayPal-owned... But, but um, none, of, none of them reached these shores. No. Well, they, well, I think Movin, they had a bit of a crack at. I think, um, I think perhaps Westpac were involved there. But, but the issue kind of is, really, at the moment, is that if you are to use these third-party apps, which you might very well want to do because some of them are great, um, you are in breach of your terms and conditions of so, the bank. Yeah, yeah. so the, the banks say, you know, um, we're, we're here to protect your money and, and your identity and your privacy and things like that. Therefore, you cannot disclose any information but I mean 
I, I don't do this, but uh, half the people I know seem to be quite happy to you know share their pin number with the with for their ATM card, for example. And, oh, you know, totally. The, the flatties go down to the shop and, and use your card. So that that's a breach. Yeah, Bre- it, breaching, breaches happen. It is a breach, and you know people who share um, online banking passwords and all of that kind of stuff. I think the the issue for consumers to be aware of is that if you do currently use these sort of third party things, or indeed share your pin. And, and you are in breach of terms and conditions. If something were to happen, like a fraudulent transaction or all of that kind of thing, you're not covered. Um, you're not protected by your bank anymore. So most of the banks offer pretty good cover around things like fraudulent transactions, yep. but they do that on the basis that you've stuck to the terms and conditions of your agreement with them. But even, even uh, and, I, and I know I was you know buying some air tickets recently, I think an option for payment called Poly came up, P-O-L-I, and I don't yeah. know what that stands for. Uh, but that that's kind of the same thing. You're doing a, a login to your bank details, but not really on your bank site. Uh, some of the banks are dead against that. Yeah, I mean, that that's an interesting one. Um, obviously, it's used by airlines, and um, it's also, I think, used by people if you want to pay tra- traffic fines and things like that. But it is technically a breach of your terms and conditions with your bank. And I think we're, a lot of the banks, some of the banks have come out strongly against it, and I think a couple have sort of left it, well, it's kind of up to you. Yeah, which is well, I can, not I, that satisfactory, I don't think. It's, it's easy, actually, to have sympathy for the banks because times are tough. Um, I heard this week one of them posted a profit of, and, and I, I just feel sorry for them saying this, only $1.16 billion. No, no, it's just chump change, um, isn't so it? So anything we can do, anything we can do as consumers to make life easier for you know for those banks is got to be a good thing. I'm, I'm going to get um, I'm going to get Ben, the uh, the guy who invented the Kiwi, who invented and is trying to get off the ground this app Jude that allows you more control of your own finances. I think I'll get him on the show. Yeah. Have a bit of a chat. He's a he's a he's an interesting dude. But, yeah, I uh, mean I think it's great people are trying to do this thing. I think it, you will get to a point probably where the bank's going to need to get on board and I know that um was it Chris Farfoy who's the minister of um consumer affairs was saying that he's going to be keeping a pretty close eye on what's going on overseas. And uh, wouldn't it be nice, wouldn't it be nice if we managed to lead the world in this respect? Well, we did on things like FBOS. Yeah, but we've, we've, we say that a lot, but that was like <laughs> 90, that, that was like 1985. You weren't even born. I, I didn't even have any money. It's it's honest. It was pounds, wasn't it, in 1985? <laughs> I so think we'd switch to decimal. But we have we been... We lead the world. We, yeah. Well, we, I think there are some areas where we kind of do. Certainly, I mean, I've seen and um, been exposed to kind of online banking in other countries, and... The New Zealand banks do a bloody good job on that front. Oh, it is, pre- it is yeah. pretty good. It is pretty good. Hey, um, if there's one thing that's more interesting than uh, banking, it's PowerPoint. Oh, we're really just picking the cool topics today, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we are picking the cool topics. Um, PowerPoint. I use PowerPoint a lot in my work. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, my day job, I run an ad agency. And, and sometimes we'll get to the end of the month and we'll, and we'll joke that, you know, if, if, if people were to ask us, oh, what sort of work do you guys do? You know, do you do TV or radio or, uh, you know, um, billboards? Mm, some months it's mostly PowerPoint. It's just PowerPoint. Um, yep. So PowerPoint is is dear to my heart. So I was quite excited to hear this next story. Well, I just didn't even know this was a thing. So a New Zealand student called Tristan Mona, who goes to Avondale College, beat more than seven hundred and sixty thousand competitors from over one hundred countries to be the world's PowerPoint champion. I didn't even know you could be a PowerPoint champion. You can be a champion of anything. Amazing. Um, but my, fir- my so my first response, my first response was, yay! <laughs> yay, well, it was. Well, surely, isn't that great? I mean, we like to be the champion of things. This and, is amazing. And, and by extension, you know, Avondale College is me, right? Because I'm a New Zealander. So, you know, it's it's... 
We're all the winners. We're all, We're all like, the we are winners. a PowerPoint nation. We are a PowerPoint nation. Um, but then, but then I, I sort of have a bit of a closer look at what, what it is they actually have to do, because I assumed that there was going to be some incredible PowerPoint presentation that uh, young Tristan, Tristan had made, and we could look at it and go, wow, that is the future of PowerPoint. But what it actually was is who could recreate a certain uh, presentation most accurately and, 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 the and fastest. fastest. Yeah, so I I, I was heart, a bit the same because I sort of thought we would see like some sort of Oscar award winning creative PowerPoint. But having said that, Which, and that almost exists. You know, David Byrne's done some art in PowerPoint. Yeah, in yeah. Past. Well, people have done art in Excel. You know, yeah. there is some quite creative stuff you can do with what seems like really boring kind of software. But um, I'm still a little bit envious of this guy because I would love to be faster doing PowerPoints. I'd God. love to be faster. I'd, I'd love to. I'd, I'd more love to be more gorgeous. Um, you know, more more. Yeah. As a person and uh, and as a PowerPoint maker. But anyway, Tristan's tips. Um, we all make. PowerPoint. Well, no, that's a, that's a, an exaggeration. Everyone in my world makes PowerPoint, and everyone in your world probably yes, does too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his his top tips: uh, make use of slide markers. Mm, that's uh, just little signposts. I don't even know what those are. Uh, I had to Google it. Um, <laughs> let people know where you are in the presentation. I, I used to have this little um, progress bar, which was sometimes a sheep. I remember. I've forgotten about this. I'd have a little sheep at the bottom that that moved from left to right as you as you oh, went through the slides. Right. It was the progress bar. So. <laughs> You should bring that back. You could do this it with a ghost. True. This is true. So, so when you're when you're in the audience going, oh God, when will it end? You can just watch the little sheep going through the. Oh, it might put you to sleep though. A uh, little sheep going through, but uh, make use of slide markers. Uh, include animations. Okay, why not? Uh, transitions make it interesting. I'm not so sure about that. Woo, woo, woo. The next slide comes in. Yeah. Just cut. Just cut. Just yeah, cut. I'm a really boring PowerPoint. There was that. Um, I think it's still around. Prezi which yeah. people were using for a while, and that used to make me quite seasick because it yes. had really intense transitions. You're zooming in, zooming yeah. out. Uh, yeah. and, and, and finally, Tristan, the world PowerPoint champion from Avondale College, says use different forms of media. Oh, I'm with that. So you use use video, use sound, yeah. use all those things. Um, I have I have two rules for great PowerPoint. <laughs> no, I'm serious. This is, this is serious advice I give to speakers. I, I do a bunch of speaker coaching. Uh, and my rules for PowerPoint are this. Rule number one. The ideal number of slides in a presentation is zero. Uh, rule number two, the ideal number of words per slide is also zero. So right. if you don't need it, don't use it. Don't com- don't confuse a, a handout uh, or a Word document with something you should subject people to on a big screen. After the break, the apps, websites, and social media news you just cannot live without. Back soon. Connecting you to the future of the internet. internet. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. Welcome back to Sunday Social with me tonight, Anna Connell. Hello. Hello. I was hoping you were going to uh, bust out some non-English greeting in response to my my nicely pronounced kia ora. Yeah. Well, kia ora, Vaughan. Yeah. Uh, the, and this is not just this is not just me being woke. This is me saying you've got an app. You've got an app to help us all, particularly in a a work context better employ uh, Tareo and Tikanga Māori. Yeah, I do. So this is an app um, 
I'm using uh, the Manukau Institute of Technology one. It was developed for um, students and educators out there. But um, it's called Kia Mātara, and you can download it from um, the iTunes or Google Play stores. Mm -hmm. So it's available to anybody, but it has been developed, obviously, with students in mind. Um, But I've I've used a few different kind of apps and ways of... um, adding a little bit more today to, to my speech. And I really like this one because the way it works is that you um, can press on certain words in the app. So if you were, for example, say looking for a basic Māori greeting uh, and it comes up with a few different options and you hold the words, that it's on your phone, and it pronounces them. So it's touch to hear, basically, which yep. I think is really, really useful because you read a lot of um, words in different languages, but actually it's the pronunciation. And particularly in Māori, the difference between a couple of our sounds is, you know, whole different meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that about it. And I also really like one of the great things for me is that I've gone into situations where I've been speaking and I've really wanted to do... Um, an introduction in, in Tadeo, but yep. I don't feel confident. And this has kind of just a whole lot of basic if, stuff if you want to do that, like a mihi, like an introduction. Um, and so you can basically take that and insert your own sort of personal stuff, um, but you can then also hold those words down to to hear them, to, to know that you're pronouncing them correctly. So it goes beyond just your standard you know, vocabulary and, and how to put sentences together and gets into tikanga or custom and, and how, yeah. how, how and when to employ it. Yeah, because I think I've gone to try and say things and I've I've googled them and I've gone to Māori dictionaries and it's actually the phrasing and the putting together of the sentences is the really hard thing so this one's really good because it's actually got them there already and you just insert your own personal details and then you hold down the words and you can hear it pronounced back to you. So go to your app store and search Kia like Kia Kaha, Kia Matara and Matara has two A's in the Tahara. Yes, it does. Basically, yeah. Um, and interesting. I was I was looking into this, and clearly, it's a good little business by a company called Kiwa, who I think I've spoken to before. Um, they've got versions of this for heaps of different organisations. Which, on the one hand, I went, oh, they're just reskinning it and selling it again, which I thought was awesome. Uh, but on the other hand, what they've really done is customised it for each place and, and the, the work vocabulary yeah. and the work things that you might need to do. So that, they had Fonterra, they had Doc, they had MIT, they had a whole bunch of them, which is quite neat. Yeah, I thought it was really cool and I just I found it to be the most useful kind of um, one around um, A, learning how to inject some Tadeo in reasonably quickly and B, being able to hear it back so that you know that you're not mispronouncing it. Have um, How long have you been using it for? Uh, I've been using it for a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. So right. I sort of only found out about it a couple of weeks ago. You're in, you're in, you're in the honeymoon. I, in the honeymoon. I am in the honeymoon, but I, um, yeah, I've tried a few others before, uh, and yeah, this one seems to be just really kind of good and quick. Very, very cool. Hey, one of one of the words. It's one of the words that came from today into English uh, earliest on, probably, and, the, and and one that's got widest uptake is fano. It is, yeah. And that's what I want to talk about now, an app just for that um, that allows you to uh, confidently and securely share uh, photographs of your whanau, of your tamariki, of your mokopuna um, online 
without uh, resorting to Facebook. Yeah, which is great. Which, Let's celebrate that. So the, the, <laughs> the, the name of it, the name of it is Life Cake. I don't know why it's called Life Cake. That's kind of cute. I suppose. Yeah, you know, Bob wanted to eat a big slice of Life Cake. <laughs> it's sort of an affirmation. Um, and it's described as the private place for parents to share photos and videos with family because... A lot of us, and I don't know if this is the whole, you know, stranger danger paranoia or whether it's just smart, I'm, I'm on the fence in this one. A lot of people are reluctant to just, you know, blithely share pictures of their children online. Uh, they can, through Facebook's privacy settings, define groups and... Oh, and yeah, but every time they update that, that defaults back to some... Yeah, yeah. so who does this? So this, this app is called LifeCake. Um, it is designed just to create a, a little community of people only whom you invite that can see these pictures uh, and, and, and share among each other. Yeah, I think it's quite a nice idea. I mean, a lot of parents that I'm friends with um, use Instagram like this and so have a private mm-hmm. account. Um, so it's only friends and family that can see that. I mean, I think it's, um, A, there's obviously privacy concerns about how far and wide pictures of your kids are going because, you know, there are all sorts of kind of nasty things that might happen there. But I also think it's a really nice consideration for the child, given that kids being born now um, don't actually have any choice about the fact that yeah. their pictures are everywhere. Well, the Prime Minister made an in- interesting point on this. You know, she, she chose a public life, um, but, uh, but Neve little, didn't. Little, little Neve did not. So, you know, who's, who's to say that in you know, 15, 20 years, uh, Neve might say, you know, I, I want nothing to do with you, Mum and, and, <laughs> and, and Dad, and get all these photos off every news website in, in the world. So it sort of covers that. If you happen to be a Prime Minister, well, this is a good app for you. Um, but the, the app is free. It's for um, iPhone and um, and Android. It has a big, big sort of web, website to it as well. There's a premium version, of course. And uh, the interesting part of it is they've gone real old school. They've got a, a photo book creation um, Aww, arm to it. Cute. So you can print them out. Yeah, print them out. Print out the best pictures. Mind you, when's the last time you printed a, a picture of something you liked? Uh, do you know what? I was thinking about this the other day in relation to our wedding. And, you know, and do we get a wedding photographer? Of course we probably do. Or do you just get a really good hashtag? Well, we're, I mean, our hashtag is going to be supreme. You know that. But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I was kind of thinking about that. I was like, oh, God, we're going to get these thousands of photos. What are we going to do with them? They're just going to sit on a computer. I'm not. I'm not getting a full size picture of Troy and I getting married put up on the wall. Why? <laughs> well, I, I know. I know. It's it's it's, it's an it's an interesting conundrum. And and you know, but wedding photographers are still a thing. I ran into one the other day. Oh, they are a hundred percent still a thing. A lot of them are doing video now as well, yep. and they are very expensive. But then it comes down to who will actually watch the thing. I don't know. Ever. I don't know. And what am I going to do with these photos? I'm just going to probably put them on Facebook and Instagram anyway. Yeah, that's right. At ten percent of the resolution at which they at, at, exactly at, at which they were at which they were taken in the first place. Yeah. But uh, yeah, photo books. I I, do, I own a printer, but um, you know, I remember I remember ten years ago, everyone wanted to have a photo quality printer at home. You know, and you get special photo paper and print out your best photos. But now that for that, what I know for what I don't know. Um, the one the one the one side of this that's booming though is is the the kiosk printing business. Mm, mm. Would you believe you know you go into a warehouse stationery? There's a few other places that have them. Uh, you know. The Fujifilm kiosks; those those people are lining up. Yeah, lining and I think um, a lot of those online businesses as well, where you can you can still get 
I mean, I do use those actually. You get a bunch of Instagram um, prints from your trip printed out and they put it together in a really cool poster or something like that. Actually, I was out with mates a couple of weeks ago. And, show um, off. You just show off. I know. I've got a life. you got mates. Um, and they had a Polaroid camera and we took some Polaroids. Literally a Polaroid? Yeah. Like, okay. Because like, I know that, um, again, Fujifilm, and, and disclosure, these guys used to be a client of ours, um, they, they had a thing called an Instax camera. Which is which is like pretty much like a Polaroid camera, yeah. but you can get them in the shape of Hello Kitty. Oh, that's cute. I know. But yeah, so so what did we do though? We took Polaroids and then took pictures of the Polaroids and put them on Instagram. So I don't know. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is sort of it is sort of wacky. You no, know, the last the last thing we should have, should should uh, talk about because talking about Instagram and uh, and and how important it is to look cool online, and that's this this well newly defined thing. Social media body image dysmorphia. Yeah. Dysmorphia. Snapchat dysmorphia. Snapchat dysmorphia. So so had you heard of this or, or the phenomenon of this? I hadn't heard specifically of kind of the Snapchat stuff, but obviously the idea of um, presenting yourself in the most flawless way possible online is not new. And there's a whole lot of apps around that you can use, like Facetune, where you can, you know, scrub out your blemishes and your wrinkles and that kind of thing. And and so the idea that what you're seeing in people's Instagram is not actually their their real face, and therefore you feel bad because you don't look as flawless. Yeah, well, this this is the same thing, except the water is kind of flowing in the opposite direction. So this is this is people who are taking these great-looking pictures on Instagram and Snapchat, you know, and whatever, and then, and then realising, actually, my tongue is not a rainbow, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and I do not have dog ears. And then they're going, whoa, um, my real-life self is not as good as my online self. And they are turning up in large numbers in the States, especially, to plastic surgeons to say, well, you know, look, here's the selfie. This is how I oh, want to look. Oh, crikey. This is how I want to look. Uh, and, and the big one, the big one, literally the big one on that is noses. People are going, well, I took this, well, it's kind of the opposite opposite problem. I took this photo, but because the camera's really close, my nose mm, looks really I know, big. So yeah. I would like my nose to be smaller, please, mm, Mr. Plastic mm. Surgeon. So this whole lens through which we're looking at each other, you know, narcissism used to be literally uh, someone looking in a, a pool of water and yeah. going, oh, you're gorgeous. Uh, then it became a, a mirror, and and now it's a mirror with filters and yeah. and and, and Snapchat's the worst for that because it does actually there are quite a few filters which totally um, reshape your face or make your eyes bigger or I uh, know I mean you, you know. I can see when every time you come in here you're disappointed to meet the real me because you, <laughs> you just you just see me online and go hey that guy uh, and then oh god oh no that's what he really god looks look like. at him look yeah, at him look at blemished him he's all blemished craggy look at Blem- him blemished. <laughs> Craggy. <laughs> I, 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 I need a I need a Snapchat filter to give me um, bushier eyebrows. I, 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 I'm going for the um, what used to be called the Ed Hillary look, but now I'm going to call the Neil Finn look. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. I, my my theory is that when Ed Hillary died, um, while he was while he was lying lying there, uh, his eyebrows left his face and crawled across town <laughs> to and found a new home. And found, found a new, a new home. home on Neil Finn. Beautiful. We've, we've kind of digressed. Hey, Anna Connell, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. How can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Anna G. Connell or the Instagram at Anna Connell NZ. Look at that. And uh, standing by for that wedding hashtag, which is going to be uh, epic, I'm sure. Thank you so much, my first half guest from Let's Collaborate and Saskia working the magic, as always, in the booth. Next up is the Weekend Variety Wireless. I'm Vaughan Davis. Nighty night.